Good morning, everybody, on a lovely Tuesday morning. You guessed it. This is the Two Peas on a Pod podcast. Welcome to Dennis Heath Month. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you're as big as I am, it takes a little while. (laughs) So welcome back again. How's that? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Appreciate that. (laughs) Third time's a charm. Yeah, you'll be sick of me by the time this is over. A <laughs> uh, whole month full of Pastor Dennis. Yeah. Almost three out of four, anyway. Yeah. That's Might as well enough. make it four, man. Uh, make it a whole That's month. all right. I ain't got more time. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. funny. Yeah, that just come to me. Anyways, <laughs> welcome back again. Third time's a charm. The Holy Ghost explained the Holy Ghost evidence, and today the Holy Ghost experience. Yes, sir. I don't know about everybody else that's been listening, but I've enjoyed it. Well, I've enjoyed being here. Felt the Lord there. Yes, sir. The Lord's good to us. Yes, sir. Well, we recorded part number one. Yes. We went right into part number two. Right. Then we took a break. Yes, sir. We went and ate Mexican food. Yes. And then we've talked. Yes. Talked some more. Yes. And now we're trying to get in the mode to do this part number three. Yes, sir. And so. hoping, hoping that our Mexican doesn't decide to uh, speak for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you told us last part. Yeah. Lord, get in it. He'll speak yeah. Spanish. <laughs> yeah. The only Spanish I know is burrito and, and taco and yeah. enchilada. <laughs> yeah. Si, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Well... On this this third part here, Brother Austin, I want I want to talk about the experience, the actual experience of the Holy Ghost, All right. and what what it means. Whenever you have an experience in the Holy Ghost, what 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 some of the aspects of that? Okay, uh, one of the things that I think is uh, so important is that uh, when we talk about the Holy Ghost and the experience of the Holy Ghost, it's an experience of power. Now, now we just spent the last session, the last, you know, we, we talked about the speaking in tongues and the importance of that. And so I don't want to diminish that. But sometimes when people, their understanding or their thoughts about the Holy Ghost is just the emotions of it. But there's more to it than now the Holy Ghost is going to he's going to be manifested through our emotions you know what I mean? There's we, you get to experience in the Holy Ghost and feeling the touch of God in your life. You're gone. You're, there's going to be emotions involved, but uh, the real essence of the Holy Ghost is to give us power. That's 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 where you start. He said, "You shall receive power." After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So we need not only to profess Pentecost, but we need to possess the power of Pentecost. And uh, boy, that's what I'd love to see in the lives of God's people in this hour is to experience that powerful experience of Pentecost where it changes us and gives us uh, power to overcome, power to live right, power to, to witness and worship. We remember Jesus said, you shall receive power or, or you'll be endued with power from on high. And then he said it again in, in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost come upon you, that's that's the whole purpose of Pentecost in our life is he wants us to experience his power. And I believe that's really the missing element of the church in this hour. We need the power of Pentecost. Right. It's uh, it's not just again, not just the emotions of it, 
but we need to experience the past. I, I've illustrated like this in the past. It's kind of like a stick of dynamite. You, you have a stick of dynamite, it's, it's, it's potential. There is a potential for a great explosion, but it's not until the fire touches the wick of that that it becomes explosive. You, there's all kinds of potential in every one of our lives to be explosive and powerful for God. But until the power, the fire of God touches our life, that's just potential. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's that, not, that, that power is laying there. I, I, it's not really the power. That's, the, that's, that's not the right way to say it. But there's there, the fire of God, the power of God is what makes us explosive. It's kind of like having a, a vacuum cleaner. I've got a little boy in my church that loves to vacuum, little Zion. He's, he's like three years old, and he loves to get a vacuum cleaner and a felspaw, and I'm encouraging it. Go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. Now, not everybody likes to run a vacuum cleaner, but you can run that vacuum cleaner back and forth as fast as you can, but it's not going to do you any good until you plug it up into the power source. Yep. Same way with a light bulb. You can hold it in your hand, a real functioning light bulb. But as long as it's in your hand, it's not going to do what it was meant to do. It's not until you screw it in the socket, turn the switch on, and electric current hits it that it begins to shine forth with the light that, it's, that it has the potential to give off. It all comes down to the power and getting connected to the source of power. And that's the Holy Ghost working in our life. We've got to have His power working in us. And so that's, that's one of the elements of, of the experience of Pentecost that we need is the power of Pentecost. Something else that's not probably as uh, popular is the purity of Pentecost. You, you cannot divorce from the Pentecostal experience purity. That sanctified living. When you remove purity from Pentecost, you steal from it the real power and the real essence of it. The genuine Holy Ghost produces holiness. I remember hearing Dwayne Gallagher say years ago that the Holy Ghost, his first name is holy. And that's what he produces in our life. When we have a real experience in the Holy Ghost, it's going to produce holiness in our lives. Anything that does not promote holiness, anything that does not promote righteousness and godliness is not the real Holy Ghost because the real Holy Ghost is going to produce holiness in the life and the child of God. I think one of the best illustrations in the Word of God is found in the, in the story of Samson. Okay, I want you to think about this. As long as Samson maintained his symbol of separation, he had power. God used him in a mighty way. But when Samson compromised his separation, he forfeited the power of God in his life. You see, God's, God's working, Samson's power was really was really a demonstration of God's favor on his life. There were, there were areas, and, and I like to look at it this way, there were, there were areas of Samson's life that Nazarite vowed that, was, that he was not completely faithful in. If you remember, he was in the vineyards of Tinneth. He, yeah. he wasn't to eat or drink anything from the vineyards. He, he, uh, he, 
the, in the case with the lion and, and, and the yeah. honey from the lion. He was not to come in contact with any dead carcass. And so there was areas of Samson's life where he was not completely faithful to that Nazarite vow. But those were areas in his life that were more of a private devotion area, the private commitment. It wasn't visible and evident for everybody to see. But there was one area of his life that was a visible token, and that was in his hair, that it was not to be shaven, okay? It was a token. He was not to shave his head, and that was a token, of an outward token, of the separation of that Nazarite vow. And that's why it was so critical that when it came to that place where he finally told Delilah the secret of his power was in the fact that of his hair, when she cut his hair, he lost, that was a line that he crossed that God couldn't ignore anymore. He couldn't overlook it anymore. And that's whenever you see the Bible says the spirit departing. And he, he, he shook himself but didn't even realize it. Yeah. And so up until that moment, God had showed him great mercy and patience in his life. And, but at that place, amen, is whenever his, the spirit departed from him. I want, I, that's why I believe it's so critical that we maintain a life of separation and a life of holiness. The Holy Ghost produces that, but it's also a means of us maintaining. I've said it this way. There's two things, two things that I really believe make a strong church. One, a strong emphasis on the Holy Ghost. Number two, a strong emphasis on holiness. If you're going to have a holiness church, you're going to have to have a strong emphasis on the Holy Ghost and on holiness. Right. Which one's more important? Where do you put the where do you put them? One above is there a way to put one above the other? I, I don't really believe you can. Yeah. Because if you if you have the Holy Ghost without holiness, you're, you're not going to maintain holiness without the moving of the Spirit in your life. And if you don't if you don't have holiness, you're not going to keep the Spirit. Does that make sense? Am I yeah. making myself clear? You, you, you've got to have both of them working together. The life and standard of holiness is the symbol of our separation. And if we want the continued favor of God upon our lives, we must maintain that distinction between us and the world. That's the reason why Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, Wherefore, come out from among them. Be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He said in the next verse, And I'll be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. But I love this, having therefore... These promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And so when it comes to this baptism of the spirit, this experience of the Holy Ghost and Pentecost in our life, it's an experience of power, but it's also an experience of purity. And I'll just tell you, that's one of the things in these last days we cannot lose that experience of a sanctified life in our lives. And that's why we desperately need to maintain the Holy Ghost working within us because they strengthen each other. They build upon each other. And I, I, I would love for that to get in the hearts of our young people in this hour. Very much so. Amen. The Holy Ghost experience, it's, it's an experience of power. It's an experience of purity. But also I want to talk about the prayer of Pentecost. You mentioned it earlier in a session. I don't remember if it was the first or second one we did on this. But 
he got talking about the life of prayer and how important prayer is in when it comes to Pentecost. And uh, uh, when you think about Pentecost and prayer, they go together. Acts 1 and 14 says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. All right? Prayer and supplication. Prayer is an absolute necessity in order to maintain a life of the Spirit within us. To have Pentecost working among us, we've got to be people of prayer. Why is it important? Because prayer is preparation. Many times the reason why we don't experience Pentecost is because we've not been praying. We've not prepared ourselves for the move of the Spirit in our lives. Prayer moves us into a position where we can experience the power and the glory of God. I told my church this, this just yesterday uh, on Sunday morning. Every When I evangelized, I evangelized for 10 years. The places where we had the best revivals, there was one thing that was a distinguishing mark in every one of those churches. And that is they had a group of people that came early for prayer every night. I remember I was in revival at Allentown Holiness Church one year with Brother Eugene Futrell. We went three weeks in that revival. And uh, there were several nights of that revival where Brother Eugene just opened up the service, just, just calling us to worship. I mean, just exhorted just a couple minutes and said, let's all stand and worship God. And many times, there were several services in that revival. That's as far as we got. We'd church for two hours just worshiping, no singing, nothing, just people worshiping. There might be somebody to get up on the music and do some singing, but very little preaching because there was a group of people. And the longer that revival went on, the more people came and the more, earlier they got there until some was getting there a couple hours before service and praying and seeking the face of God. And there was revival in that church because prayer is preparation. It's what moves us into a position where we can experience the power of the Holy Ghost in our life. And so if you want to be a Pentecostal believer, a Pentecostal church, you've got to maintain that place of prayer. There's got to right. be an emphasis of prayer in our life. If you were called to a courtroom to stand in a, in a, in a courtroom to give an account for something, if you were called to stand, if you got an opportunity to go to the White House to meet the president, there would be certain preparations that you would want to make in those cases. If I was called to the Oval Office to meet the president, there's a few things I'd want to know. I'd want to prepare myself. I'd want to know what the protocol is. Where do I stand? How do I greet him? What do I say? Where do I stand? You know, where do I sit? Whatever I'd want, I'd want to know. I'd want to be prepared for when I got in the presence of this powerful man. I want to tell you something. That's why we pray before we come to church. That's why we pray every day. It's getting us prepared for the move of the Spirit in our lives. I'm sure you've experienced that as well in revivals, the power of a praying church. Yeah, just like the other night we was in revival right here where we're recording at. Mm -hmm. And I walked in one night, and there was, you could tell, it, there was women, I think it may be in this Sunday school room here, mm -hmm. that when I walked in just a half hour before church, they was praying they was hollering, they was shouting, mm -hmm. and it made a huge difference you know, oh, in yes. revival, knowing that people was coming to pray. There was people that was coming in the middle of the day. My wife was over here. Um, a lot of times we take turns, she'll go to church, and then I will because we got five kids. Someone's yeah. got to watch them. <laughs> yes, and uh, the wife has to pray just like the husband does. Oh, that's good. And so she come over here to pray, 
And uh, I was watching the kids, and there was a lady in the church that came over here that was dealing with things and was in prayer meeting by herself with the church. When my wife got together with her, and they prayed together. Oh, yeah. And she said that my wife helped her get through that, just prayer. And it makes a difference in the services. It oh, makes a yeah. difference in the revival, you know, that we pray. You know, I know I, I used to work. I leave at 5 o'clock, got home at 6.30. I couldn't go to the church early and pray. Yeah. And uh, it seems like that's something that I don't see very often. Yeah. People coming to the church early and praying. Well, I guess, you know, a lot of people pray at home. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you pray at home, but just prayer. Oh, yeah. Just prayer in general. Yes, sir. But it's... I remember growing up, um, the church there, it was nothing to hear people in the basement of the church and the Sunday school rooms praying. Oh, yeah. It was often. It was something you heard often. Yes, sir. When you got to church on Sunday night. Right. And, you know. Oh, yeah. I was in revival one time right here at Fairland. Brother Shoecraft, and I believe that's the revival. We went three weeks, and uh, we was having a tremendous revival. I mean, just the Lord really helping us. And uh, Brother, one toward the second week of that revival, Brother Shaw got up. Of course, Brother Shaw at this point, he was already, age was sitting in on him. And so he got up, though, and Brother Shaw said, and when he said this, of course, I know some of the history Fairlands had revivals. It went six, seven weeks. I had 70 people get saved in the past, you know. And uh, and we weren't having that kind of revival. But Brother Shaw got up and he said, this is the best revival Fairlands ever had. Well, when he said that as an evangelist, my ears perked up. You know, I thought, you know, he, he was the pastor here for years. He knows he knows his church. And uh, But he said this, and uh, of course, I believe they've had better revivals than that one. I just... But it was such a good move of God in there. That's the way it felt. I mean, the power of God, everybody's excited about it. But he said this. He said, Fairland's having revival because Fairland is praying. And when Fairland prays, Fairland has revival. And I want to tell you something. That's true not just for Fairland. That's true for the house of prayer. That's true for the church you go to. If you will get that place of prayer alive and build a fire in prayer, you'll experience Pentecost. Because right. most most revivals that I've ever read about in history, they started in a prayer meeting. Prayer is the very life and breath of revival in Pentecost. You cannot have one without the other. You've got to be people of prayer if you're going to have Pentecost. Yes. So, yes, prayer Prayer is important, but uh, as I come to a, toward the end of this series that we've done right here, whenever you think about Pentecost, what's one of the most distinguishing marks of Pentecost and that experience of Pentecost? It's the worship, yeah, praise. The Pentecostal worship. The Pentecostal worship. And it all started at the initial outpouring. You read about Pentecost Luke 24, 49, we, it's one of our favorite verses. Terry and Jerusalem take being dude with power from on high. But just a few verses after that, verse 53, he said this, and they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. That, that is one of the most important aspects of a Pentecostal church is maintaining that. And worship, worship is just another aspect of prayer. And so I, I really believe, and I, I, I believe that evidence shows this in, in, in people that I know, prayer warriors will be powerful worshipers. Uh, a church that does not know how to worship 
is is probably a church that doesn't do much praying. Yeah, it's good. And so prayer warriors make powerful words. Now, listen, I evangelize just like you're evangelizing. And the fact of the matter is that there is a variety of cultures within a church, uh, yeah. within churches. Not everybody worships the same. I, I've preached up in the north where they didn't stand for singing. They didn't stand for preaching. They were very quiet, reserved. Leave there and go to Bond, where they got guitar screaming and 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 cymbals crashing and everything's wide open, just that mountain worship. You know what I mean? There's there's just a variety of styles, and so uh, not everybody's going to worship the same way. But I've been in churches like that where it was totally different styles, but have a move of God in both places, because it's not the style of worship that matters it's the heart of worship that matters and some some churches are very very demonstrative in their worship others are more reserved there's a difference between the north and the south but there's a difference between the east and the west as too as well there's just a variety of cultures of worship and so sometimes young people get an idea well that's the way it ought to be i mean if it's not like this i've experienced this in some of the people I've asked, well, if we're not churching like this, then that's really not a move of God. That's not necessarily true. They may not be running and shouting and dancing like they do. They may be more of a crying, you know, more reserved, but there's still a move of God there. The, the matter is this, there's, there will be a manifestation of worship. People that's going to have Pentecost, a distinguishing mark of Pentecost is a lively worship, not a dead worship. Now, it may be a different style of worship, but private prayer will produce Pentecostal worship. If you're praying like you ought to and come to the house of God, you're not going to have to be begged to worship God. There's nothing that disturbs me as much as a pastor and a preacher, as an evangelist too, as folks that are silent in their worship and not giving God the glory. We on the day of Pentecost. Well, we're not silent in anything else. No, we're not. Pentecost. Very emotional with our money. We're emotional with our job. (laughs) We're emotional with our hobbies. Oh, and we give it everything we got, and we scream and holler. Yes, you know, just like shooting a buck. It's like ah, that's the biggest buck I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like. I've, I've seen people just about, about lose ah, their mind. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen people just about lose their mind over a clearance rack, you know, yeah. <laughs> just at, at the store. Just, man, you know, we get, we get, we do. I, people say, well, I'm not that emotional. That's not true. No, it ain't true. Every one I, of us have emotions. I hand you a check for a million dollars, you're going to go, <laughs> You're going to be emotional. Yeah. You're going to praise me. If you hand me a check for a million dollars, I'm going to ask some questions first. <laughs> I promise you it will bounce. Yeah, I was going to say, is this rubber? Praise yeah. God. Yeah. Hey, listen. We are all emotional. That's exactly right. I, 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 was, I, I know I've been around people. That uh, they they would try to explain away and 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 just kind of be like a wet blanket on worship, you know. They say I've had them say, "Still waters run deep," you know, like that's some kind of spiritual thing. Oh, I'm I've worshiping all, from my heart. Yeah. Well, I always said, "Still waters run cold too," yeah. <laughs> you know. There, there's you know, I like what Brother Benny used to always preach. He would say, "Your heart's a well and your mouth's a bucket." 
Oh, yeah. And he would say, whatever's in that well is the exact same thing that's going to come out that bucket. Yeah. He oh. said, whatever's in your heart will come out your mouth. At yes, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. That's so good. That's so true. You're around folks, and they're just like, LeBron James' biggest dunk or the biggest new diesel truck. And then they're like, church. Cricket. 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 <laughs> I'm like, wait a second now. Yeah. What's in your heart? Yeah. You're screaming over the basketball game, oh, yeah. but you won't even move. And I mean, I ain't against you screaming at the basketball no, game. Get if you're in, in youth camp, throw you a three-point shot. Oh, yeah. I'm not against you screaming in basketball. Have you some fun. Go out there and oh, yeah. go out there and have some fun, scream and holler. But when you're in church, don't sit there with your arms crossed and say, I'm not emotional. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. are emotional. Yeah. You just got a ball in your heart. <laughs> yeah. I want to tell you something. Yeah. I was... <laughs> Amen or oh me. Yeah. You better take us over. Yeah. Well, listen to We're me. rabbit trailing. I remember Bill Houston saying it this way several times. Well, it's not all in the shout. It's not all in the shout. And Brother Bill said, well, if the Holy Ghost is in it, he said, it's all in the shout right then. <laughs> if God's in it, if God's in it, he's all in all. It's all in it then right there. You know, so, you know, shouting is shallow. I, I, don't, I realize that not everybody that shouts may be spiritual. But it's like that one old timer said, <laughs> that he got out and this old hypocrite got in the aisle and got to shouting. And somebody asked him and said, well, you, you got out there and shouted with them, danced with them. You know they're a hypocrite. He said, that's exactly right. And I wasn't going to let a hypocrite out shout me. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Well, I was just going to tell you, amen, that's part of our Pentecostal distinction as our worship. Yes. But it's not just an emotion. It's not just something we do in the flesh. It's something we do with a heart that wants to glorify and magnify God and praise God. Praise is the combustible that brings explosive results. When a people that really have a heart to want to experience God and experience his glory and power, when they get to worshiping God, I'm telling you, I've been around enough youth camps that when young people yeah. really love God and want to experience God and they really get to worshiping I want to tell you something. It ain't going to take long. You're going to have an explosion of God's power and God's glory in that group. I was preaching. You may have been there that year. I remember I preached one year there at Bond. I preached on a Thursday night. It was the first year in the tabernacle. And uh, I preached on when worship becomes a weapon. And at the end of that message, right there at the punchline, I remember they about the time I turned and said, hit it with the music and everything. I mean, I, I was done. The power of God fell in that place. And I remember an explosion of Pentecost blew out in that place. Every preacher on the platform and half it looked like the young people in that altar went to dancing all at the same time, shouting. I mean, it just exploded in that place. I don't know how many got the Holy Ghost that night. But it, it was a result of the fact there was a group of young people that had one thing on their mind, and that was worship, and that was glorifying God, and the power of God fell in that place. And it was a night that I'll never forget. I can tell you about a youth camp in Alabama a few years ago. I think it was 2017. On a Wednesday night, I preached on the Holy Ghost. No music, just worship. No fast songs, no drum beat, nothing, nothing pushing it other than the preacher just saying, let's worship. 
And for two hours, those young people worshiped. But when we got done, there was 26 that got the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the first time. It was a powerful night because somebody made up their mind, we're going to worship God. We want the Holy Ghost in our life. We as Pentecostal people, holiness people, we cannot lose that distinction right. of worship because it is the lifeblood of the Pentecostal experience. I've never, I've, I've, I've been in altars a lot of times with young people and others, and this, they'll, they'll, they'll be seeking for the Holy Ghost. I've, I've, let me say this. I've had people ask me before, and I'll finish with this. How do you get the Holy Ghost? How, how do I get the Holy Ghost? Well, look at that word, how, H-O-W. First of all, you got to be hungry for it. You've got to have a hunger. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Number two, that O, you can look at it two different ways. You've got to be open. I think there's a scripture somewhere around Psalm 81, maybe, that says, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Kind of like the picture of those little birds in the, in the nest that's just hatched. When mama brings that fresh worm in in the morning, those little birds up there in the nest, they're not sitting there with their beaks closed waiting for their mom to force feed them. They got their mouths wide open because they're wanting. It's going to be hard for you to get the Holy Ghost if you ain't got your mouth open. <laughs> if you're just in there in the altar, it's going to be hard because he's going to worship with your mouth. And if, yep. he's going to, if he's going to baptize you and give the evidence of speaking in tongues, you're going to have to have your mouth open talking. And so that's why I tell my young folks, you need to learn how to pray out loud. Don't just pray with a little mumble in it. You need to learn how to pray and speak your prayer out because that's how God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And so how to get the Holy Ghost? And you got to worship. you got to worship. But I've, I've, I've never seen anybody get the Holy Ghost begging for it. I've been there before, Brother Austin. Yeah. But give me the Holy Ghost. Give me the Holy Ghost. Oh, Lord, I want the Holy Ghost. Please, please, God, give it. me the Holy I've Ghost. I've seen it tons of times. I've never seen anybody get it. And I had a preacher that was wiser in this than me that first told me this. And he said, they got to quit begging for it. And they got to start worshiping for it. If they'll stop begging for the Holy Ghost and they'll start worshiping, they'll get the Holy Ghost. And you know what? I've seen it time after time. When you stop back and you just go to worshiping because that's what the Holy Ghost wants to do. Yeah. He wants to worship Jesus through you. And if you'll get to worshiping God, you'll experience because he inhabits the praises of his people. That's exactly right. I've, I've told just right here in this last revival, there was some that we had preached one night on the Holy Ghost and and. And that particular altar, I just felt like asking, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, come up here first to the front, first and foremost. Here come about five or six. And I said, if, you ought to, if you're willing to admit I need refilled, I'm not where I need to be in the Holy Ghost, stand up behind them. And then everybody that's left, you're admitting you have the Holy Ghost and you're full, then come up here and pray for those that aren't full and need him. Oh, yeah. And uh, we did that. And that's the right before we prayed, I remember walking over, and, man, the Lord was just moving. And I remember telling him, don't beg. I said, I was a, I was a young young adult before I heard a preacher say that, mm -hmm. and that I remember. I don't right. want to say that I heard, but that I remember 
don't beg for the Holy Ghost. It's a gift. You don't beg for a Christmas gift. You don't plead and beg, but worship. <laughs> I know. I've heard some of it. <laughs> but I mean, you just worship God. Yeah. Let him have control because, like you said, that's what the Holy Ghost wants to do. His job, he's lifting up Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I'll tell you this, and I'm done. But I remember, uh, I think it's Brother Shoecraft, the first time I heard it, and I think I read it somewhere after that. There was a, a young man in this meeting, this camp meeting, that wanted to, uh, he wanted the Holy Ghost. He wanted it so bad. And so he, uh, this elder pastor saw it and, and went to him. He said, son, he said, there is a place on this campground that every person that gets there gets the Holy Ghost. I love this story. Yeah. And so he said, tomorrow morning, if you really want it, he said, I'll take you to that place. We'll go walk. We'll have to walk away, but we'll get there, and we'll, you'll get the Holy Ghost. He said, I'll be there. I want the Holy Ghost. So the next morning, early, they meet, and they begin to walk. And as they're walking, that old elder pastor preacher begins to talk about the good things of God and, and, and gets the young man talking about how God's blessed him and worked in his life. And in a little bit, boy, the, that young man, he's feeling the Lord, and he says, are we... Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And that old elder pastor said, no, we're not there yet, but we're almost there. We're getting closer. And they walk on a little more, talk a little more about the good things of God and what God's done for them. Man, that young man, he's, he's getting excited now. He's feeling God. He said, oh, we we got to be getting closer. I feel the Lord. We, he said, well, we're, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. We're almost there. And they do that a couple of times until finally that young man said, I'm telling you, I feel God. Hey, we've got to be there. I feel him all over, man. That's when they, that, that, that elder pastor said, that's we're here. You just open up your heart. And whenever he opened up his heart, he got the Holy Ghost. God came to him because it really wasn't the ge geographical place. It was, it was that place in the spirit where we get so consumed with God's goodness and grace that he just explodes out of our life with the baptism of the spirit. And what a precious powerful thing that is and if the young people and the people that listen to this podcast today if you could just get a real hunger in your heart for the power of the holy ghost it would change your life yes Amen. yes that's exactly right i tell you i've enjoyed it thank you brother all three episodes everything you had to say you the holy ghost explained the holy ghost evidence the holy ghost experience Hopefully, we pray that somebody's life will be changed. And if it is, you're more than welcome to tell us about it at 2Ps21 at yahoo.com. That's our podcast email, T-W-O-P-E-A-S-2-1 at yahoo.com. If you want to email us there, if you have a testimony of anything that's happened in your life because of any of these episodes, give God the glory for it, and I'll pass on the information and I tell you what, I, we've already had we've had feedback ever since we started, and it's amazing just how God can use a platform and help somebody. Yes, sir, and help somebody. Thank you for letting me be here, brother Austin. Hey, really thanks for coming. It. Thanks yeah. for being my friend. Yes, sir. We're thanks friends. for coming. Yes, I've enjoyed sir. it. All right, God bless you, buddy.